beginning at verse number 13. I'm reading from the ESV. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you. Here's the reason why I praise you. For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret. Intricately woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book they were written, every one of them. The days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. And uh, I want to speak on this topic today. You are valued. Everybody say, I'm valued. Now say it like you mean it. I am valued. I'm not on sale, but I'm a great value. There is a reason. That's it. (laughs) There is... A reason why the church is in existence. And there is a reason why the church at Spirit of Grace Church is in existence. It's not to have a beautiful building. It's not to supply simple things. It is simply in existence because you and I hold value. A couple of you mean that. You and I mean something to somebody. You and I are costly for somebody. There there is somebody that has looked upon you before you were even born that says you are valuable, that I love you, that I love you, that I love you, that I'm on your side, that I'm the one that's put you together. I have value in you. We are unique. Now, some people say, well, that means you're kind of weird. Well, maybe for some of us. But we're unique. Nobody else in here has the same fingerprint, voice print, or footprint. We're all different. Why? Because God needs all kinds of people to make his body. You you see, somewhere you hold value to the Lord. Somewhere, in some way, shape, or form, you just may not have recognized your value in him yet. But he loves you. How many uh, have a black sheep of the family? Okay, so all of you that didn't raise your hands, it may be you. There's always somebody that we think is just a little bit different. But it always gives a new flavor to the family. Can I tell you I'm glad that Owen is not like Declan and Declan is not like Owen? 
because they bring variety to our house. Do you understand that God likes variety? God likes the uniqueness of who you are. How many believe that? God, God understands you. He created you unique because he likes your uniqueness. So my question to you is, why are you always comparing yourself to somebody else? He didn't create you like somebody else. He created you as a unique being, as a unique love interest, as a unique workmanship. You are not like your neighbor, and your neighbor's not like you, so stop trying to be. You can't be like me. I can't be like you, so stop trying to be. God made us unique, so we have value. He made us complex. Ladies more than men. See, somebody agreed over there sheepishly. It's true. There you go. We're made complex. Do you know how many thousands of miles of nerves are in these bodies? And yet they all function? Do you understand how intricately put together you are? I mean, we take it for granted that we have skin. But do you know how intricate just the layers of skin on our bodies are? Why? Because he values us. He values us. And because we are unique and because we are complex, we have purpose. We have purpose. And when we understand what the purpose of our life is, things become easier. But here's our problem with purpose. We oftentimes base our purpose on our uniqueness being compared to somebody else. And so what I'm doing isn't as much purpose as what I think this person is doing and what that purpose is doing. And, and, and so we, under, we misunderstand what our purpose is. Every part of our body has a function. And some of them you see and some of them you don't see. And I learned this very well a couple of years ago when I took a table saw to my fingers. And I walked in, and I realized how much I actually use these two fingertips. Took them for granted for the first 49 years or so. Not anymore. Let me, let me just break down this passage just a little bit. You formed me in my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. That's why I'm pro-life. That's just an aside. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. We don't take that into account very much. Do you understand what this is saying? This is saying when God made you, he made you with awe and reverence in his heart. When he started knitting you together in your mother's womb, he was doing it with an awe and a reverence. Wow. Listen, I'll t that, that, that hasn't registered in your spirit yet because it's very difficult to, for us to understand how God could be awed or how God could have reverence. 
Can I tell you it's easy for us to have awe of God if we just go stand on a beach somewhere and look at the ocean or we walk into the mountains or into the valleys or we walk wherever we're going in this, in this beautiful creation that he's given us and we stand at the precipice of it and we look and we're awestruck. But God just spoke that into existence. But he got down into the dirt when he created man. And the precipice he was standing on, this is awesome. This person's going to be awesome. Haven't even taken their own breath yet. Haven't even done anything on their own yet. Awesome. Value. In Genesis, when God says, let's make man in our own image, I have a feeling that he's talking to his angels. He's saying, I'm in awe of what I'm getting ready to do. You think, hey, Gabriel, Michael, you think that, that the oceans are awesome? I, I just said, let there be, and there was. Do you think the sun and the moon and the stars and the universe? Well, I just said, let there be, and there was. But watch this. I'm making. I'm blending. I'm putting together. I'm weaving a tapestry of art. Can I just tell you, you are a masterpiece of God's art. That word wonderfully means distinguished. Now, some of us wouldn't use distinguished to describe ourselves. It almost sounds a little snobby. But what was it distinguished from? I pray that somebody gets this into their spirit today. That little boy that finally fell asleep. He is distinguished from the Rocky Mountains. In beauty, in splendor, in value, in ability. He's greater than the Grand Canyon. He's greater than any ocean that you stand next to. He's greater than any depths. Just little, just the little one. Just, just, just a sound of sleep. I don't mind him sleeping. Some of you adults, sometimes I want to wake you up. But Are you getting it a little bit yet? When God created you, it is far and above. He did it in reverence to himself and wonderfully or, or, or distinguishedly. He distinguished you from the rest of his creation. That's awesome. Everybody say, I'm distinguished. Wonderful are your works. That word wonderful there means to be beyond expectation. Listen, I know some of you are kind of looking at me and saying, oh, this is a nice message, Pastor. But if you ever get the power of this, it's going to transform your life. You were created beyond expectations. Not my expectations. God's expectations. I want you to think of that. You were created beyond the expectations even of God. That's how much value you hold to him. 
That's why he loves us. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret or fashioned in secret. Intricately woven together in depths. That word intricately woven means different colors and fabrics interspersed together. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. Listen, I don't mean to sound political, but it's really not political. It's biblical. He saw my unformed substances. Before any ultrasound could ever give him a picture, he knew me. He knew me before I had any substance formed. In your book were written every one of them. Wow. Can I tell you what the substance in verse 16 is in the Hebrew? It means embryo or fetus. And when you tie that together in your book, that word book, yeah, it means book, but what it really means, it's a legal document of purchase. While you were just a fetus, he was already forming you, and every part of he, that he was putting into you was being writ into his legal document of deed. He was purchasing you as he was creating you. That's valuable. You take somebody that builds something, and as they build it in the whole thing, they're writing down every single thing that they put in so that it was written in the law of the book of the deeds, if you will, so that when they were done with it, it was already theirs. God did that for us. The days were formed for me when as yet there was none of them. The days were formed for me when as that there was none of them. In other words, he already had your days numbered before there was any. Listen, you can take this or leave this. It's, it's, it's my belief. It's how I read this scripture. You can read it some other way. But God knows the day that you're going to go home. And can I tell you why some people aren't healed when we pray for them? Is because God's already punched their ticket to escape something down the road. I can't explain it. I can't, is it fair? Is it unfair? I can't explain all of that. All I can say is this. He had my days were already formed as though there weren't any yet. He knows how many. Does that mean we just live carelessly and he'll take care? No, no, no. We live as unto the Lord, but we don't panic when we face certain circumstances and situations because we know he's got it all in control. He has our numbers. He has our days. He knew how he put us together, and he knows when the picture is complete. And if you're still breathing air, you're not complete yet. He's still working on you. He's still molding you. He's still forming you in intricate ways, in awesome ways to behold. I found this interesting. Thank God for Google. I went to a medical uh, website, and uh, I just keyed in. What are the values of our body, our body parts? 
found it pretty interesting. I'm kind of expensive. Did you know that your appendix costs about 25 bucks? That's why they're not in a hurry to leave it in. You can get your nose replaced for about 75. Your brain is only $150. That's what I said. But it's because brains haven't figured, they haven't figured out how to transplant brains yet. Your stomach is 500. Does that tell you something? Your shoulders 500. Your spleen, I don't know where they came up this, but your spleen is $508. Your hair, some of you are broke, but your hair is $1,450. Your eyeballs without the cornea is $1,500. Don't know what good they would do without it. I thought this was interesting because this is where I had my stent put back in 2012. Coronary arteries is $1,500.25. But your blood is $3,370. Your cornea, with or without the eyeball, is $19,200. Your bone marrow is $23,700 per gram. Your lung is $272,000. Don't understand this one, but your large intestine is $800,000. And your heart is $1,050,000. Think of that. If you want to put a value on that, and if you go, you can look, they'll break it down to all the different elements that are, you know, your oxygen is this much and your potassium is this much and wasn't going that deep. But I read all of that, and that said, God knew what he was doing. So I kind of did the math, and it didn't line up with the last statement of this page. Because the last statement of this that you're looking at, basically about $2 million, maybe $2.5 million that I listed off. But the last line of this page said, for an entire body, it's $45 million. If you take the body parts, it's about $3 million. But if you take the entire body, it's $45 million. For we are many members of one body. Individually, we're pretty expensive. Individually, we're pretty valuable. Most of us don't know what $2 million looks like. 
Most of us don't understand that and can't even comprehend that. As individuals, that's where we're valued out. But the body fitly framed together is vastly more powerful and more valuable and more rich. When you and I come together as the body of Christ, we multiply our value, not just additional. I take my $2 million worth of my body and I take Owen's $2 million. We got $4 million. Now we got $6 million, but that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says we're his body, many members. And when the whole body, according to the medical field, is offered up, it's worth at least $45 million. Fearfully, wonderfully made. See, he didn't just make you as an individual. He made you to fit into a greater body. What is Spirit of Grace Church all about? Building the body. Listen, we've preached about love. We've preached about the word. We've preached about intimacy. We've preached about all kinds of things. What is the whole foundation of this church built around? So that we would have a house. And his house is the body. Fitly framed together in the book of Ephesians. I declare to you that we are of value. This church is a valuable asset to the kingdom of God. Don't take for granted by coming in and sitting in there that you're just taking up space, that you're just sitting in a chair. No, my friend, the moment you walk into this house, you are connecting to a body, and you have amplified and multiplied your value to him. You're kind of special. My glasses are so dirty. I can't see a blessed thing through them. can't see it without them. Ephesians chapter 1. Everybody say, I'm valued. I'm loved. I'm important. I'm called of God. I have a purpose. He has a plan for me. He's in awe of me. He's in awe of me. Not because of you. You didn't do any weaving. He did it. And he's in awe. Verse number 13 of Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to be done here in just a couple of minutes. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Let me just tell you what the King James, in fact, uh, Elena, can you bring that passage up on the King James Version? Because it makes it a little bit clearer, actually, in the King James. I know it doesn't always happen that way. I threw a curveball to her. In whom you also trusted, after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom you also believed you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the inherent of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. Notice something. You're purchased before you're redeemed. He has paid the price. 
you missed Sunday school, you missed it. You were purchased before you were redeemed. No, no, no. You've got to get this. Somebody's got to get this. He purchased you before he redeemed you. He purchased you before he looked at Calvary. He purchased you before all of the things that he transformed in you. He purchased you before you were redeemed. Which lets me know that he only redeems good things. He doesn't redeem trash. And every human being that is ever made or intricately and fearfully and wonderfully created has been purchased before they were redeemed. What does that mean? Thank you. Much better. Here's what that means. See, we like to say he purchased us at Calvary. No, no, no. He redeemed us at Calvary. How can you purchase something that you created? I'll tell you how. You use the materials that you had already created to create that creation. You see, that's why he didn't speak us into existence. It's why he said, no, 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 I, I can't just say let there be man. I've got to create them in my image. I've got to form them because I have to use purchased product to form out of the earth that which is getting ready to breathe into life. It's the reason why he didn't just say let there be Eve. He said, no, I've got to play anesthesia right now. Got to put Adam to sleep. Got to rip a rib out. And then I'll create Eve from his rib. That's why my father-in-law always went around when he couldn't find Patsy. He'd walk through the church. Where's my rib? And everybody in the church knew who he was talking about. You were created purchased with the products that he had already created and he already had his thumb print if you will on you from before there was substance you valued but then came along Calvary and he said now I have to redeem that which I purchased and so I'm going to go to Calvary and I'm going to shed my blood so that that which I created is one more time holy. Because Adam and Eve messed up my creation and caused a mark, if you will, against the artwork. But they're still valuable to me. Did you know that Judas Iscariot was valuable to Jesus? In the midst of his rejection, my friend... Why have you come? See, it's a lot easier to fulfill the words of Christ, to love your neighbor as yourself, when you know that your neighbor is the masterpiece. But, Pastor, they cuss up a storm and they do all kinds. I don't care. They were purchased before they did any of that stuff. 
before they let hatred take over, before they let drugs take over, before they had strife take over, before they let murmuring and foul mouth and bad behavior take over, they were already purchased. They just haven't been redeemed. And how dare we who are redeemed look back on those that haven't been redeemed any less than we looked at ourselves. I'm talking about the foundation of this church. It's why I have said and I believe with my whole heart, I don't care where you came from. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how bad you think you've had it or done or committed whatever sin you think you committed. You're no different. You're just part of the, you've already been purchased. He's already held value in you. You just need to have that redemption. I find it interesting. This is how valuable you are. I've got some preachers in my life that some of them don't even know who I am, but I've listened to them throughout the years. And this goes all the way back to, I think, 1995 or 1996. I wrote it down. I know the preacher that said it, but the Lord just made it jump off the page again this week. And it fits so well, so I wanted to share it with you. Do you realize that Jesus used a borrowed tomb to lay down in? It's because he didn't have his 401k in place. He hadn't done his due diligence to make sure something was ready when he was gone. No, no, no. Listen, Calvary wasn't an accident. It wasn't unexpected. Jesus wasn't surprised. It was planned from the foundation of the world. He was the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. He purchased you before the foundation of the world. He bought you. His act of or act of redemption on Calvary just brought that thing that he had purchased into his ownership. So why have a tomb? This preacher said the Lord spoke to him, and I believe it was the Lord, and because it makes too much sense. He said the Lord, or he said the Lord spoke to him and said, Why would I pay for something that I only need for three days? Why? Why would I pay for a, why, why would I pay for a tomb that I'm only going to need for three days? See, you're, you're not catching and putting two to two together. He only he didn't buy the tomb because he only needed it for three days, but he bought you. In other words, it's not just a temporary fix. It's not just a temporary manifestation. It's not just a temporary stay over. He's not just here for the weekend. He wants to live in you and through you and around you from now throughout eternity. That's how much you mean to him. That's how valuable you are to him. Well, pastor, I've done too much. I've got too much history. All history is his story. No, I'll say that again. All history is his story. Time is his story. Our 
80 to 100 years is our story. But his story is all of history. I can't help what somebody else did to you. I can't help what somebody else caused in your life. That's part of his story, so he can handle it. But listen, what I'm trying to get across to you, this is how my wife and I in this church look at people, is I don't care how much trouble you think you are, you're valuable. Well, why do you spend these hours praying and seeking God? Why do you spend the hours counseling and doing it? Because you're valuable. Really, you're priceless. If you can be, if God can be in awe of you, who am I to talk? I, I read the story. This was a classroom. It's supposedly a true story. A social studies teacher was teaching, and they were teaching about values and, and, and things of that nature. And so the teacher got up and he said, I have a letter, and, and I don't know if the letter was real or if it was just a teaching point, but he, he read this letter. He said, uh, they're wanting an answer of what you think they should do. And they said, he said, the father has syphilis, the mother has TB. Their first child was born blind. Their second child died. Their third child was born deaf. Their fourth child was born with TB. And now she's pregnant again. And she wants you as this classroom to decide what she should do. Going back and forth over and over. The class ultimately decided the best course of action would be to have an abortion. And the teacher said, so that, that's your final answer? That's, what you, that's, what, that's the best alternative right now? And they said, absolutely. He's sick. She's sick. Every one of their children have had problems, have a history of, of medical sickness and disease. And, and, and if you know anything about the diseases I talked about, some of them are Caught by a, an immoral lifestyle, so there's nothing good about that. And, and the teacher said, okay, congratulations, you've just killed Beethoven. Because the fifth child of that family was Beethoven. One of the greatest musicians of history, if it was up to that class, would have never walked on the face of the earth because of the perceived invalue of his predecessors and his siblings. Let me tell you something, my friend. I don't care who your mom and dad are. I don't care who your brother and sister is. You are valuable to God. Listen, I know some of you have a laundry list of history that seeming is negative. Parents and uncles and aunts and, and teachers and speaking negative things into you. I get it. But God made you fearfully and wonderfully made. And you're valuable to him. You mean something to him. I close with this. This church, as long as we are leading it to the best of our ability, will never have an older son mentality. 
Well, what are you talking about? In the story of the prodigal son, born and raised under the same roof, and said, I want my inheritance. Which, quite frankly, bothers me to begin with. Why should any of us think we have an inheritance? Why do we think what my parents killed themselves, worked for, that I should be able to just have my inheritance? Take note. No, I'm just kidding. So the father gave it to him. He went and spent it all, ended up in a pigsty, and came back, and the father opened his arms and said, Welcome home. It's party time. Get the best dress. Get the best food. We're getting ready to, because my son who was gone is now back home. An older brother had an attitude about it. Can I tell you what older brother's problem was? It was simply that he did not value what God values. God values people above all things because you were his handiwork. You were his craftsmanship. Can I just tell you that God doesn't even take a credit for all of the creation that he created because that's just something he's spoken. That's nothing to him. Let there be light. Okay. Every animal. Do you want to know why we can praise him and animals can't? Because he was spoken. And just for kicks, I'm going to throw a few animals that people don't like. Creepy things that creep all over the earth. Just to make it exciting. So when you see somebody jump in the corner because of a spider, I think God's up there going. (laughs) That's just Tim Sanders theology, okay? But that older son came to identify his younger brother by his actions and not by his being. And God forbid that this church ever starts judging people by their actions and their mistakes and their sins and not by the value that God placed in them at the beginning. Just because they haven't been redeemed yet, just because they don't have it all together yet, doesn't mean they're not valuable. They are valuable to God. So they are valuable to us. I invite you to stand. I was laughing before service start because Trisha got up here really quick. And that's because I know she said she ran late. But if you all would have been here at 9.30, she would have started on time. So just thought I'd drop that in there. Why is this church here? Because of you. You're here because God loves you. You're here because we love you. Are we always going to do the right thing? I wish. But I pray that we always do the loving thing.
We mention it over this pulpit quite a bit. But our door is an open door. Now, obviously, there's certain times where we can sit and talk to you. You know, 1030 is not the time to do that. We're getting ready for service. But we're as open as we can be, as available as we can be, as flexible as we can be. Why? Because we want you to succeed. Not succeed at Spirit of Grace, although that's a benefit for us. We want you to succeed with Jesus. Well, Pastor, you don't know all the junk that was in my life. Listen, all the junk that was in your life, God can redeem like that. Because he's already purchased it. Which lets me know this, he already purchased your junk. That junk's already his. And when you come to him, and you get regenerated in him, and reborn in him, and you come into contact with him, and he begins to work in you, and he begins to transform you and change you, he, he's, he's not neglecting the junk. He said, I already bought the junk, so I might as well get the dump truck and take it away from you now. And he doesn't only just get rid of the junk, he puts in brand new furniture. Brand new opportunities. He's HGTV before there was HGTV. He knows what he's doing. Love. Value. You are important to this church. I look across this great assembly, and there's maybe three people, maybe, four, maybe less than five people besides my family that were here at the first message that I preached to this church when I became pastor, the first Sunday of January, or of 2009, and my message was, I need you to survive. In other words, I don't need you just to make it. I need you to survive because your survival helps me to survive. Because you're part of the same body. And while I'm only three million bucks, we're 45 million. We're the body. You're valuable. So tomorrow when your enemy tells you you're worthless, say, uh-uh. I was designed before I was even born. So anything that you and I have done together, devil, was not a part of the original plan. And if it wasn't a part of the original plan, we can put in a change order. You ain't got nothing. I'm valuable. Nothing can trip me up because he values me. I stand in his value today. I just have this feeling, and then we're going to worship. I just have this feeling that God has stepped into this house, and there's a big smile on his face. And he's maybe even taken a step back. 
and he's taking in the panoramic view of this sanctuary. And he's looking across. And he's saying, I did pretty good. They're valuable to me. I love them. So much I didn't borrow them. I paid for them. If you'd like to receive the love of the Lord right now, would you just raise your hands in this house? It's very difficult to get a hug from somebody without your arms outstretched ready to wrap around it. Just get your hands out there. He's wanting to give you a hug today. You're not here by accident. You're not here by happenstance. You're here because you're valuable. You're here because he's called you. You're here because he's challenged you. You're here because he's chosen you. You are the perfect person for him. You are perfectly imperfect in his eyes. And so he can continue to mold you and form you. And while you're not the full picture yet, you're part of a body that's becoming the fuller picture. Jesus, I am asking you now to every hand that is raised every heart and spirit that is raised. I'm asking you just to wrap your loving arms around them right now and let them feel the strength and the heartbeat of your will and the strength of your embrace. Let them feel you, God, in a tangible way. Let them feel the warmth and the heaviness of your embrace come over them even now. From the, the, from the youngest to the oldest, from the newest to the oldest, Lord God, I'm asking you, let them feel it. Let them sense your embrace. Let them sense your masterpiece. Let them see how you see them in awe and reverence, for they are fearfully and wonderfully made. Now would you just raise your voices in worship just for a few more minutes. Receive from him his love. I love you, Jesus. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Tell him how much you love him. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Thank you. Jesus. This word simply means I give you my all. 
It's a universal word. Same word in every language. Hallelujah. I give you everything, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. My challenge you, my challenge for you this week, simply walk in his love and walk in his value. He has you at this level of value. Praise God. Don't forget Chain Breakers on Wednesday, Catalyst Wednesday. No Bible study Thursday night. It's our Timothy's night. So if you're in Timothy's, that's for Thursday night. Praise God. And then the youth on Friday. Couples on Saturday. We're going to take about a five minutes and then we'll reconvene in here for our meeting. So if you're going to stay for the annual business meeting of the church, we'll, t we'll start in about five minutes. God bless you. We love you all so very much.